Um, so here's our beginning of our sermon, um, love questions, and here's, here's what we're talking about today. We're going to be tackling anxiety, and I would love for us to just kind of share a part of our lives that is causing us the most anxiety right now, and also a moment in your life where you were totally stressed out, all right? And we love kind of meeting new people or people around us that we don't know at this time, so if you're willing to, I would love for you guys just to break off into groups of twos and threes, look around, make sure everyone's included, and just to share. So we'll get about, we'll get about three to five minutes just to talk uh, about these things, and then I'll come up. All righty. All right. Sorry to cut you guys short. <clears throat> Feel free to continue your conversation afterward. Um, dude, so one of the most stressful situations in my life um, some of you guys have heard the story, so I apologize. I'm going to try and make it short. But I was uh, going to a wedding that I was officiating. I got there. I had my T-shirt and jeans on, ready to go in and, like, change. I had about an hour. And, um, and I lost my sermon notes. And I was, like, getting really, this isn't your wedding. I, <laughs> I lost my sermon notes. And I was, like, I'm, like, really anal when it comes to weddings because there's so many different parts. I have to read all these lines. I get super nervous. So I, I manuscript everything, which I never do for sermons. Sorry, guys. And um, <laughs> care about weddings. So, um, so, and oh, and then I forgot my shoes. That's something I do every wedding. There was a way me and Ben did, and he came out of the car, and I said, give me your shoes, and he did. Because I just, that's how I get new shoes. I forget them at weddings. Anyways, so I'm walking in, uh, bought new shoes, couldn't find my notes, have an, about an hour. But I noticed that there's all these people like dressed up. I'm like, why are there so many people dressed up? Is there another event right now? And then I see Christine. This is Christine's brother, by the way. And I'm like, when does the wedding start? And she said four. And I thought it was five. And it's 4.08. Now, I was lied to because my host family said it was five o'clock. And I actually moved down my iCal. So now I'm like saying the F word as I'm running through the crowd that I would then preach to. Don't do that. And I'm in the bathroom, and I'm, a, I'm like an inch away from a nervous breakdown. You know that you're stressed out when you're trying to like manipulate time and go backward or wake yourself up from a dream. So when I, that's like when I'm almost psychotic, right? I have a break from reality. I'm trying to go back in time with all my mental strength. And um, my other alternative was just crying in fetal position really loudly for three hours and hoping everyone will leave me alone. So I finished, I finished getting dressed. I run into a bride and groom's room, and I just imagined them being really angry and saying, we need to go in right now. And I'm like, I, I'm like walking mentally down the aisle trying to grab someone's bulletin to be like, greetings, you know? Um, thankfully, they were cool. I had 10 minutes to get ready, and I'm really good at improv. So anyways, if you have a wedding, let me know. Um, you know, I think about, like, kind of our stressors in life, and especially the seasons where it's difficult. And I feel like this first verse, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice, feels so disconnected from the times where we're stressed out or the times where things are going terribly. Right? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's such a beautiful passage, but it can feel so disconnected from the parts of our lives where we're stressed out. It can feel so disconnected from our anxiety. And I think that when I hear this passage in my stress, I just imagine like pasting on this plastic smile and pretending everything's okay and not really grappling with reality. Not sure how to hold this passage of rejoicing always and being honest with my situation. But I don't think Paul, when he's writing this, is trying to have us just skim over the realities of our circumstance and put on a plastic smile. It it comforts me in a strange way that he's writing this in prison. That's kind of stressful. He's writing it, counting his days to being executed. I don't know if something's more stressful than like, 42 days left, got to get that letter to Timothy in. That's pretty stressful, right? And so Paul, he's, he's holding on to one of the most stressful circumstances that I can comprehend and being able to say, be joyful always, not just in the good times, not just in, when things are going well, not just when you're back at home, but even in prison, even counting your days to being executed. I don't think we can be joyful always unless we are joyful in the Lord. And so that's what Paul says. Be joyful, find your joy in the Lord. And then it can be always. Because when we find our joy from other circumstances, they're flimsy, they fail, they they move and shift all the time. If my joy is in Nina and she's mad at me, then I've lost my joy. If my joy is in basketball and I hypothetically tear three ACLs, then my joy is gone, right? But this idea of joy is actually a Christian construct originally. And every time it comes up in Scripture when it's sourced, it's sourced in God. So when you look at Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit, out of the Spirit comes joy. Or the psalmist says that the righteous will rejoice in the Lord. That's why it's uniquely Christian, because you can't have joy unless it comes from God, unless it's rooted in Him. But if it is, then there's an always, because God doesn't shift, He doesn't fail, He doesn't move away. And then in the next section, it says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I think about the times when my joy isn't in God and it's in these other things, and I can get anxiety. And instead of being gentle, I become forceful. I become controlling. I'm afraid of, of joy being lost, and so I start to, like, death grip it. And I use every part of the power I possess in order to hold it down. And sometimes, even though this thing is bringing me joy, and even though I have it in my grasp, I'm actually more afraid of losing it and experiencing fear than I am experiencing joy. But this idea of having our joy in God primarily 
And having all of the other things in life that we enjoy come out of that is evidenced in us being gentle. That we don't have to claw or, cram- or clamor for our job promotion. We don't have to constantly worry about losing our relationships or losing out financially. That there is this gentleness, there's this power under control because... Our joy comes from God. And it's evident that God is close to us. It's cool because this gentleness and joy comes because God is close to us. And then we experience it. And then other people not only experience our joy and and gentleness, but they actually see God in it. That it's an evidence that God is real and near. And maybe I challenge you that when you do feel anxious, when, you're, when you feel worrisome and anxiety, maybe it's because you're not experiencing God's nearness. I think the times where I feel crushed by anxiety, I realize it's just me and the circumstance. It's just me and the anxiety, and God is not near. He is not factored in. He is not part of the equation. God being near allows us to experience joy. And then we don't have to be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Paul exhorts, present your requests to God. You know, I can get dyslexic in verse 6. I can be anxious about everything and pray about nothing. You guys experience that with me sometimes? But Paul says the opposite. Be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. I think when we look at our anxieties, um, it can become a focal point in our life. When I experienced anxiety and depression, when I see other people experience that, it's like we have our whole life in front of us, and we take this magnifying glass, and it zooms in on this one thing, and that one thing becomes what our life revolves around. That one thing defines how we feel in our peace and our joy. And being thankful is like zooming out and being able to see beyond this one thing. And it's putting down that magnifying glass and saying, hey, there's so many other parts of life that are good. You know, I, just yesterday and often, strangely, I thank God for running water. I, I don't know if you guys do that very often, but I kind of do it. Maybe it's, I went to Mexico, and I drank water, and then I like lost 15 pounds over three weeks, uh, mysteriously. And I can never drink Gatorade again. Um, and now I'm really thankful for like clean water. And there's actually this statistic where like, if the whole world had clean water, half of the beds that are occupied in ha- hospitals right now would be emptied. Isn't that a phenomenal statistic? And, and I, I was filling up water, thanking God for it after being dehydrated from volleyball at, at Huntington Beach. And then someone flushed the toilet and my water pressure went down. And I thought, we use drinking water to flush our toilets. That's how much clean water we have. I just sat there being thankful. I just kind of was able to zoom out in that moment and say, man, God, we live so wealthily and 
We have so much. And, and even if all these things are going wrong, like for Paul, he's about to face death, but he's able to say this because he zooms out even more and he's like, dude, I get to spend eternity with God. And there's another passage where he's just wrestling with that in front of everyone. He's saying, man, like, I'm so excited to see Jesus face to face, but I'm not able to go yet, even though I want to, because I have to do, I have to labor here. And there's a sense that even if everything in life is coming to an end, there's still hope. There's still something to look forward to, that the places where we could root our deepest joy in our salvation, in God loving us and being his children, those are places that are untouchable. Think about peace and joy being rooted in these untouchable, unwavering space. And that's where Paul is. That even in the face of execution, he's giving thanks. And then after that, he says, to come to God in prayer and petition, present your request to God. So in our thankfulness, we come to God. And when he says present your request, it's not like here's a PowerPoint God of all the things that are crappy in my life. No, this presentation is enlaced with surrender. It's actually saying this is coming out of my hands and I'm placing it in your hands. It's like when Jesus tells his disciples that his yoke is light and to come to him because he'll carry our burden. And I've, there's moments in my life where I feel so heavy with burden. And, and I'm, I'm learning to just pray through to that point where the burden's released and I know it's in God's hands and not mine. Have you experienced that in your life where you feel anxiety and burden and it's heavy and, and you pray and pray and pray and then there comes like this almost point in time, you could like time stamp it, and all of a sudden you know that it's not in your hands anymore, that you've really trusted God with it. He's in control. He's sovereign, and it's his. And at that point, you still do and act out of wisdom and carry on, but the results and where it finishes, it's really on God. I had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Ken at Epic. Um, sorry, I was going to text you and ask, but yeah, I thought, you know, we did it once. Might as well do it again. Um, he's a surgeon, and I've actually talked to him and another surgeon, and, and they're both Christians, and they just tell me how much surrender and dependence it takes to be a surgeon and, and how different that of a impact that makes. So for Dr. Ken, when I interviewed him, he talked about like praying over his patients every day before he sees them. And there's these moments during the middle of his surgery where he's just not sure if they're going to make it. He does some surgeries that are more experimental, uh, where there's not this whole roadmap laid out. And in those moments, he's just like, God, please help me and surrender. And then there are times where God does help him, and he tries something, and it totally works, and he gets this epiphany, and this person lives, but he's also told me moments where people have passed away, and he goes to their funeral sometimes when God calls him to kind of walk all the way through with them and their family, um, and he says doctors don't show up at funerals because it's this visual reminder of their failures. But he says, I can show up because 
I trusted God from, it was never like in his hands. It was always in God so he can walk through the failure, like the perceived failure as well and comfort the family and be at the funeral. And I just, I just hope that for us. You know, I, I pray that there would be this sense of surrender in every category of our lives where this is yours, God, this relationship, this job, this family, my child, my ministry, it's, it's yours. And we have to pray to a point where we know in our hearts that it's surrender to, to the Lord. And with that comes the amazing gift of peace. Peace is maybe the one attribute or, or I don't know if it's emotion or attitude or mindset, but I chase after peace more than I chase after almost anything. I think, you, I think without peace, you can't have love or joy or any of that. I chase peace down, and, and peace comes when we've surrendered that situation to God, and then instead of anxiety, there's this peace that transcends all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. You know, when we don't surrender... That's when we sin. That's when our hearts and minds are attacked. That's when we take shortcuts or we rebel or we get angry. But when we have peace, there's this guarding of our souls against sin and temptation where we, where we believe God's going to take care of us. There's this guarding of our souls from being completely foolish out of desperation. And, and you know, I think of Anakin um, from Star Wars. And I think about how he held on to, to his wife, right, or girlfriend. I don't know if they ever got married. Maybe girlfriend. And um, married? Okay, wife. So he holds on to his wife so tightly that he's ruled by fear, and his, his desire for her not to die was caused by his fear of her not dying. So he actually invokes um, his greatest fear. He causes it. And I think that when we don't have peace, the thing that we fear losing the most, we can actually make, we can, that fear can cause us to lose what we fear losing the most. We make some really bad decisions when we operate out of fear. But God gives us this wonderful alternative where we can have peace because it's his, his hands. Um, you know, I, I love, thank you so much, parents who share, especially for those who've shared your kids with us. You know, I met uh, Darren when he was six months old. I never held a baby, and Tiffany just, like, throws him into my arms, you know? And um, I, I, like, I was flexing the whole time, like, <laughs> trying not to kill him. And then he almost dies. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the illustration. Um, I think I'm so thankful for our parents and how they share their kids with us. And... Um, I, I think about like some of the greatest moments of joy for a parent is when your kid trusts you and just kind of knows that they're going to be okay, that you have their back. And they can just kind of go through life like laughing and enjoying and trusting you. And I think some of the hardest moments for parents is like when your kid just throws a tantrum, even though you're trying to do the absolute best for them, right? And, and you have every base covered, and they're still crying, and you're like, dude, like, don't freak out. I remember watching uh, one of our babies just cry and cry, and I'm like, 
it's okay. Your mom's right there. She loves you. She has, you're fed. Your diapers changed. Like, you have a roof over your head. You're totally safe. It's okay. And I remember God just saying to me, man, you cry like that sometimes. But I'm your dad, and you're okay. I got you covered. Like, I think some, something that maybe one of the best ways we can worship God is by living with peace and joy, is by trusting him and not having a death grip on things. I think that's one of the best ways we can worship him, is knowing that he's our dad. He got us covered. That when we surrender to him, and, and we surrender without conditions and terms and licensing agreements, when we just surrender and say, God, no matter how this turns out, it's in your hands, and I trust that you work all things for the good of those who love you. You can be like one of these kids in their best moments where just, they're just enjoying life, and God's smiling at that. Um, so I would love for us to spend a little bit of time just to get back into our groups and pray for each other. Oops, sorry. What part of this passage do you want to experience in your anxiety this week? So, I mean, there's a lot of different components here, but is there one space that you want to, like, operate in a little bit more, whether it's surrender or knowing God's close or being, being able to rejoice and have your joy rooted down in, in God? And also, if you guys would just pray for each other, that you would find God in the place of, places of anxiety in your life, that you would start to factor him in. And I feel like that would make all the difference when we factor God in to that space. Um, yeah, so I'll pray for us, and I'm really excited for us to pray for each other. It's, for me, it's actually probably the most beautiful and um, powerful parts of us gathering is coming before God as brothers and sisters and lifting each other up. Um, if you're new or if you're um, just exploring the Christian faith and you're not comfortable praying, that's okay. Just let the person next to you know. But we'd love to pray for you. All right? Father, thank you so much for our time together. and um, Thank you for being trustworthy. And for those of us who have been Christian for a while, I, I, don't, think, I don't think we can, we can remember a time where we put something in your hands and left disappointed where we put our joy in you and had to worry about you walking away. As we pray for one another, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak through us and comfort us and, and also just take this message and put it into our weeks. Use our life as your curriculum. Help us to live and to experience and to become the word spoken today. We also thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, um, for having your broken body broken for us, for having your blood shed. And I think about what it looks like to have peace while going to Calvary and how you trusted the Father with your life and how you trusted the Father to raise you from the dead how you were dependent on the Father. And I don't think that came easy to you, um, being God and all, <laughs> to, to trust for the first time, maybe. 
And um, so you just, you just show us that example. And as we take the uh, communion this morning, we remember how you were the first to trust your life into the hands of the Father to show us that we can do the same. Thank you for forgiving us of our sin, um, for giving us peace with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, would you just spend five minutes just praying with each other, and then we'll move into worship.